Good morning. <clears throat> it's wonderful to see everyone's smiling faces, as Nathan is fond of saying. It's wonderful to see everyone here this morning. We want to thank you for being here with us this morning. We want to thank you for seizing the opportunity to be here with us to worship God in truth and in spirit and to sing songs of praise unto our God and to be here with, e with each other. <laughs> this morning, I hope that the things that we study are, are, are going to be edifying unto you, is going to be a blessing to you, is going to be a benefit to you in your Christian life, as, as, as is our goal. And any time that we have the opportunity to open God's Word and to study it and examine it and examine it against our own lives, we're going to be benefited and bettered in the future that we have in the past. I'm going to have all the verses up here on the board, and all the verses up here on the board are going to be in the King James Version. I didn't do that just to tease Riley. But I have all the verses up here in the King James Version, so that's why I had him read from that King James Version. And I appreciate that reading very much this morning. This morning, we're going to talk about commitment. Are we committed to God and His Son, Jesus Christ? And, and, and I want to, uh, to, uh, to, to let everybody know so far this morning, you just being here this morning shows your commitment to God. And it shows your commitment to Jesus Christ. And, and, and we appreciate you being here, showing that level of commitment. But what is the level of, of commitment in our lives? Does it just need to be this or does it need to be more? And I want us to see what the scriptures teach us about commitment and what God expects of us and what Jesus Christ expects of us and our commitment towards him and towards his way and towards God our Father. This morning, are you committed to God and His Son, Jesus Christ? You know, we've been going through a series of, of studies, a series of lessons. We, we talked about the Great Commission. We talked about the gospel and how that gospel, those words are the ones that save us, how we, how, how we become Christians. We, we, we talked about the First Commission or the Great Commission there on how He told His disciples, go forth and, and baptize all nations, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I command you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the earth. Amen. And we've been talking about those things. And how we need to do those things and see those things. And on Wednesday night, we've been going through the book of Acts and how we have seen those people, those apostles, go about doing those things and spreading the word of God. And we've talked about baptism and how that, how, how, how that saves us and how we follow those steps so that we can be Christians, that we can be crucified with Christ. And now if we have made those things, we, we've also talked about the authority of God and the authority of his word and the authority of, of his son. And how John talked last Sunday that Jesus Christ is Lord. If you know all these things and you obey that gospel and you become a Christian, you need to be committed. And if you think about the authority of God, you think about what Jesus Christ has done for each and every one of us, we should be totally committed. Because God gave his son so that we would be saved. And I want us to talk about that commitment this morning. Are you committed to God and his son, Jesus Christ? And keep that question in your minds. You know, the Bible says in Psalm chapter 31, verse 5, Into thy hand I commit my spirit. Thou hast redeemed me, O God, O Lord God of truth. I have hated them that regard lying vanities, but I trust in the Lord. Galatians 2 and 20 says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me in the life that I now live in the flesh. I live by faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And if I say that verse a little fast, it's Timothy's fault. Because there's a song that, that, that we sing when we're doing those, those singing instructions. And I tend to read that verse very quickly. As you read these verses, is this you? Do you wake up each morning and say, Lord, I commit my spirit into your hands. I trust in you, God. Do you wake up every morning and say, the life that I now live, dear Heavenly Father, I live for you because you gave yourself for me. Is that the level of commitment that we have? And I'm not talking about Sunday morning. I'm talking about every single day of your lives. That's the level of commitment that we should have towards God and His Son, Jesus Christ. We're going to come back 
to Galatians 2, 2 and 20 later, but keep that little song, keep that verse in your head as we go throughout this study. Is that you? Are you living your life? Are you running your race for Jesus Christ? Or are you living your life and you're running your race for something else or for someone else or for yourself? Or are you doing it for Jesus Christ our Lord? So is this you? You know, we are committed to something. What are you committed to this morning? Is there something else in your life that you are committed to? And when we talk about commitment, I think we understand what commitment means. That means devoted. Are you committing your time and your thought, your, your energy towards something? And I have this list, and it's not an, an exhaustive list, but it's a list of things that people commit, commit themselves to. Are we committing ourselves to anything on this list? Sex or drugs or alcohol. And, and when I say sex, I don't mean between a husband and a wife. I think you understand what I mean. Are you committed to this instead of God? Are you committed to drugs and alcohol? Are you committed to pornography? Are there things in your life that you commit your time and yourself and your soul to? Lying and stealing or just sin in general, which is all these things. And you might see that list and be like, Brother Justin, I, I have no problem with that list. I'm not committed to anything on that list. That list is sinful. And absolutely, nothing on this list we should commit ourselves or commit our time to. But what about this list? Your spouse or your kids, your job, money, sports, a gym, entertainment, or just yourself. Now, these things are not sinful, are they? But can these things take away us from God? Can we commit so much time and so much energy and so much thought into these things? This list is easy, or it should be easy. We're not committing ourselves to these things, but this list can be a little more difficult. Are we committed so much to these things instead of God? It's the level of commitment. Now, we should be committed to a certain extent, but is one of these things or all these things more important than God and his son, Jesus Christ? Are we committed more to these things than Jesus Christ and our commitment as a Christian? There's a couple things that I want us to look at this morning, some things I want us to study that should be on this list. Then we're going to go into more of a self-examination of our commitment towards God. Are these things taking you away from being committed to God? You know, the Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 20 through 21, the Bible says, O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust. Avoid profane and vain babblings and, uh, and oppositions of science falsely so-called, or that means contradictions of science, contradictions of knowledge falsely so-called. Verse 21, which some professing have erred concerning the faith, grace be with thee, amen. Acts chapter 17, verse 11, the Bible says, they, These were more noble than those in Thessalonica, and that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. You know, the word of God is something that is very important. Are you committed to studying the word of God? You know, what is it that was committed to Timothy? It was the gospel. It was the part, the saving of souls. It was that. He said, don't listen to those profane and vain babblings. Stick with the word. Stick with what I told you, Timothy. That's what Paul is telling him. You know, those that were, were in Acts said they searched the scriptures daily, that they studied the word of God daily. So think about that. If one of those things on that list, towards the bottom of this list, sports or, 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 or working out or entertainment, if you do these things more than you study the word of God, think about that. Are you more committed to studying the word of God or are you more committed to going and watching movies or TV shows? And that could be a problem because I like movies and I like TV shows. But do I commit myself to those things more than studying the Word of God? Are you committed to watching sports or March Madness? I think that's a basketball thing going on. And people tell me that at work. Oh, Justin, you don't pay attention to basketball? I don't care about basketball. But I do care about soccer, and I want to watch soccer. Can that 
affect me? Can I be more wanting to commit and make time to do that than studying God's word? Another thing is in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 through 25, the Bible says, Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promise. And let us consider one another to provoke in the love and the good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as a man or some is, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. Are you committed to the brothers and sisters in this room, the people sitting next to you? It says, are you committed to them? Are you committed to each other? Because that's very important. That's what the church is. That the church is that we should be committed to each other. We should think and consider each other to provoke unto love and good works. And that word provoke, if you have it in the New King James Version, it means stir up. And I'll tell you, you can't stir anything if you're not in the kitchen. It's just not possible. And some things need a lot of stirring. When Miranda makes cinnamon candy, you have to stir and stir and stir, and it's just annoying, and you got to keep stirring and stirring. But if you don't do that, you're not going to get the end product that you want. You're not going to have cinnamon candy. Keep that in mind. <clears throat> but exhort one another. And, 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 and you may have thought, because I like to highlight things in blue when I think it's important, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. If we are committed to each other and we are considering one another, that's going to happen because we're going to want to be here. Anytime those doors are open because we want to provoke each other to love and to good works, that we are committed to each other. Are, are we more committed to something on that list than the people in this room? Are we wanting to spend more time doing something else than the people in this room? We need to be committed to each other and also committed to God and his son, Jesus Christ. You know, the, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 6 on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus speaking there in the Sermon on, on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6, he says, Lay up not for yourself treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Where is, where is your treasure? Where, where is your heart? Where are you committed? Where are you putting your thought and your time? Are you putting your thought and your time to studying God's word? Are you putting your thought and your time to your brothers and sisters in Christ? Are you putting your thought and your time into prayer? As Nathan said, towards other people, are you committed to God? Where is your heart? Where is your treasure? Now, there's th th this list that we have here. There's some things on this list like your spouse or your kids. You know, they're, they're my treasure. They really are. They are a treasure to me, my spouse and my kids. And we need to be committed to them to a certain level. But what is that level compared to God? You know, I, I highlighted spouse because as far as a commitment relationship that I have here on this earth, my commitment to my wife Miranda is tops. Nobody else touches that. I am committed to Miranda for the rest of my life. And I want us to study that and think about that. You know, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 24 and 28 and 29, the Bible says, Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself, for no man hath ever hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. So, you know, the Bible uses that marriage relationship to describe the church, how, how Jesus Christ, he nourishes and he loves the church, and how we as husbands should love our wives as our own body. So I am very much committed to Miranda. That there are, are things that we do that we are, we are committed to. There are decisions that we make that we are, we are committed to. And, I, and I'm committed to my children too, but the spouse is different. That's on another level. But guess what? God and his son Jesus Christ should be on the other level. <clears throat> You know, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 3 through 4, the Bible says, Let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence, 
and likewise also the wife unto the husband. The wife hath not power over her own body, but the husband. And likewise also the husband hath not power over his own body, but the wife. That is a commitment. That is a commitment that I have with my wife. That I don't have power over my own body, but she does. And likewise. God should be far beyond that. Because as, as I've heard Mike McCorkle say, she's just a wife. When you think about it compared to God and his son, Jesus Christ, that I would do anything for him, Rand. All my time, all my thought. But is it all my time and all my thought? Is it? Is, is she above my commitment or my relationship with Jesus Christ? She shouldn't be. But we should self-examine ourselves to see if that's so. That relationship as far as this earth goes, is what I am committed to. But the Bible says in Matthew chapter 10, verse 30, 37 to 38, the Bible says, He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me, and he that taketh not his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. Now, it doesn't say spouse there, but you can insert that if you want. You, you get what the Scripture is teaching. If you love father or mother or son or husband or wife more than me, you're not worthy of me. Are we worthy of Jesus Christ? Is there something else in our lives that is taking up all our thought and all our time? Do we love something more than Jesus? So the level of commitment is of the highest that Jesus is, is demanding or that he is asking. It says, if you're going to take up your cross, one of the things that you have to do to take up your cross is love me more than anybody else. Anybody else. And then you're worthy. So are we worthy this morning? The Bible here says, or I'm sorry, back, back to, uh, to this list. You know, on this list, we have yourself. And if you look at all these things on this list, it can kind of come down to yourself. Are you committed to yourself? Do you want to do all these things, have the best job, have more money, watch sports, work out, have entertainment? Is it all about you? Are you committed to yourself? Are you a selfless person or selfish person? Because the Bible says that you need to deny yourself. And that can be very hard because Justin wants to do a lot of times what Justin wants to do. But the Bible says, no, you don't. You do what God wants you to do. Luke chapter 9, verse 23 through 25, the Bible says, And he said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. <clears throat> for whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake, for, for my sake the same shall save it. For what is a man advantage if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be cast away? So what is the advantage if a man gain the whole world and all these things? What if you have the most money? What if you get to do all the entertainment and you can do everything on those lists and you gain all those things? If, if you don't have Jesus Christ, it means nothing. It means absolutely nothing. If you devote everything to your spouse or to your children or your kids' events or your kids' sporting events or any of those type of things and you don't make time and commitment to Jesus Christ, it means nothing. It says Jesus Christ is everything. You know, the Bible here says, and, and take up your cross daily and follow me. You know, daily is a great word because I always think daily. What am I going to do today? What do I have to do at work today? Or what test or stuff I have in school today? Daily is a wonderful thing because many times I think daily. What am I going to do today? Am I going to be committed to God to, uh, uh, today? Because the Bible says that we should be committed to Jesus Christ daily. Let's go back to that marriage relationship for just a moment. I am committed to Miranda. She's my wife. But what if I said, Miranda, for a couple of days of the week, I'm going to go be with another woman. And I'm going to have a relationship with another woman. Is she going to say, yeah, that's fine. Just a couple of days a week. That's all I need. She would say, no, 
You are mine, Justin. You will be committed to me every single day. She would not accept that, and neither would any of us. Do we do that with Jesus Christ? Are we committed to him just a couple days a week? And then the rest of the week, we're like, well, I know I need to be committed to you, but I'm commit myself to some other things on my list. Jesus Christ would say, no, you are mine. You are committed to me daily. Miranda would not let that happen, rightly so, because she is mine and I am hers. That's the same type of relationship that Jesus is wanting, committed every single day, not just a couple times a week. Every day we should be committed to Jesus Christ the Lord. And it says there, let him deny himself. You know, deny yourself means that sometimes that when you deny yourself, that you put your self-interest aside and you put God's interest in your life and you put his word in your life. You know, me and Miranda have that commitment. So it's a strong commitment, but she doesn't rule my life. She doesn't tell me everything that I should do or some things that I should think. If you put your trust in God, you are saying, here's my life, here's my spirit. I'm putting my trust in you like you would a bank, like you would have somebody put a trust and trust your money. You would say, Lord, now you tell me what to do. You tell me how to live. You tell me how to walk. You tell me what to speak and how I should treat people. That's putting your full commitment in God's hands. That's denying yourself and having Jesus Christ be the one who is directing you. How do I know or how do we know if I'm committed? How do you know? And that might be a strange question. Isn't that what you've been talking about, Justin, for the last 20-something minutes? How do we know that you are committed? What does it look like? Well, for one, if you are doing all those things on those lists more than studying God's Word or being a Christian, then yeah, you're not committed. You need to be more committed. You know, there was a rich young ruler, as we've, we've know that story, how that rich young ruler came, came to Jesus and, and, he's, and he's asking, what else should I do? What, what other things should I do? And Jesus said, you should keep the law. And Jesus said, you should keep, keep the law. And then he says, I've done all those things. What, what more do I need to do? He says, I'm, I've, do you think the rich young ruler felt like, like, like he was pretty committed? To be honest, he was a good guy. He had a lot of good things going on. He was, he was doing a lot of things right. And Jesus knew that. But the rich young ruler had a problem. And it says here in Luke chapter 18, verses 22 through 23, the Bible says, Now when Jesus heard these things, he said unto him, the rich young ruler, Yet lackest thou one thing, sell all that thou hast, and distribute unto the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. And when he heard this, he was very sorrowful, for he was very rich. Here, the rich young, here Jesus said, you're, you're lacking one thing. This one thing is that you are committed to your money. You covet after your riches. He said, get rid of it, and then you're good. Then you just follow me. And what happened? When you heard this, he was very sorrowful. Why? Because he didn't want to do that. He wasn't ready to commit himself. He was committed to his riches. He was committed to his money. That's why he was very sorrowful. He's like, well, I can't give up that. Is there anything in our lives that is in the way? Is there one thing or many things that is lacking? Put it aside. Jesus Christ should be first. So how do we know whether we are, are, are committed? Is there something in our way? Is there one thing that we lack? We have opportunity to get rid of that one thing because we need to be committed to Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. You know, from the reading that Riley read this morning, more later on in that chapter, in Luke chapter 9, <clears throat> the Bible says, And it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever, Thou goest. I want to pronounce that, whithersoever. Thou goest. 
this man is, thinks he's ready. He says, I'm ready to commit. Lord, I'll go anywhere you go. Anywhere you go, I'm ready. I will commit myself to you. You just say, you tell me where you want me to go. And Jesus said unto him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath nowhere to lay his head. See, Jesus knew this man was not ready. He was not committed. He said, do you understand that I don't even have somewhere to lay my head? It could be uncomfortable. I mean, I like to be comfortable. Sometimes if you're going to be committed to God in his way, especially nowadays, it's going to be uncomfortable for you. And you need to be uncomfortable. If you're going to be committed to, to Jesus, there's going to be times where you're not going to have a place to lay your head. Figuratively speaking, you're going to be put in a situation that is uncomfortable and you're going to need to stick up for Jesus Christ. Do you do that? You know, I'll, I'll stick up for, for Miranda any day of the week if someone wants to say something about Miranda. Do we stick up for Jesus Christ any day of the week if someone says something about him? We need to be committed. He also says here, and he said unto, unto another, follow me. Jesus says to another, he says, follow me. And he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Now, as we went about that list, and we looked at that list of, of things that were sinful, and we said, no, Justin, I, I don't do any of those sinful things. But then we saw that other list, like, ah, oh, that list is a little harder. Is there something sinful about going and burying your father? No. But guess what? This man was not committed. Jesus Christ said, if you're going to commit to me, you follow me now. And he tells them that here in Luke chapter 9, verse 60, where it says, And Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their dead, and, and go thou and preach the kingdom of God. He said, if you're going to commit, you need to go and preach the kingdom of God. Is that the one thing that is lacking? He said, uh, let the dead bury their dead. He said, if you're going to commit to me, you commit to me, and you go about and you start preaching the kingdom of God. Is there anything in our lives that is lacking? Here in, in Luke chapter 9, verse 61, the Bible says, And another said also, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go and bid them farewell, which are at my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man have me put his hand to the plow, and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Are you a fit Christian this morning? Are you fit for the kingdom of God? Because it says here, if you put your hand to the plow and you start looking back, you're not fit for the kingdom of God. It says, if you start down this path and you look back and you long or you yearn for that time where there were other things that were more important, there were other things that you were more committed to, if you do that, you're not fit for the kingdom of God. It says, once you commit, Jesus said, commit. Don't bid them farewell at your house. Don't turn away. Go. Plow. Work. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26 and 29, the Bible says, For if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sin. Skipping down to verse 29. Of how much more sore punishment suppose ye shall ye be thought worthy, who have trodden under the foot of the Son of God, and encountered the blood of the covenant, wherewith we were sanctified an unholy thing, and hath done despite unto the Spirit of grace. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10, the Bible says, For Edemius hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed into Thessalonica. That's just Paul telling Timothy, there's just one person that has forsaken me. Why? Because he has turned back and is loving this present world. He's loving the things of the world. There's something on his list more important than Jesus Christ and his cause and his gospel and his kingdom. Here it says, if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge, you know what that is? That's someone who, who had put their hand to the plow. And looking back, and it says that, that what sore punishment. And it says there that have counted the blood of the covenant wherewith we were sanctified in a holy thing. And, and that's saying that the blood of Jesus Christ that has spilled, you count that as an unholy thing. And that word unholy means common. There's nothing calming about Jesus Christ. 
Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. He's the one that we should be committed to. And if we put our hand to the plow and we start that race, so to speak, we start that work, we start plowing that field, we cannot look back. We must be committed and stay the course and stay on the path. Are you committed to God this morning? Think about that. If you are committed to God, it is like a race. If you want to be a Christian and you are crucified with Christ and you put on Christ, just like we've been studying these past several weeks, these past several Sundays and how we get to that point of being a Christian, then you have started a race or you've started plowing. Don't take your hands off that plow and look back. If you're running a race, you don't stop and start going the other way. You keep running that race because you are committed. And I've seen track people and I've seen track runners and those that win the race are the ones that are committed to the race. And committed in the form of training, in the form of thought, in the form of focus, they are totally committed to that race. And the one who is totally committed to that race is the one that's going to win that race. That's how it is for us as Christians. That if we are committed, it is a race that we need to run to the end and be committed in that race. And the Bible talks to us about that in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 23 through 24, where the Bible says, This I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be partaker thereof with you. Verse 24, for, for ye not, or excuse me, know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but run re, one receiveth the prize, so run that ye may obtain. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, the Bible says, Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience or endurance the race that is set before us. You know that verse in Hebrews chapter 12, we just got, if, if you study that, you just got done reading Hebrews chapter 11. All those heroes of faith or the hall of faith. And if you look at those heroes of faith, those are ones that were committed to God. Committed so that they would leave their country and not know where they're going. Committed so like Moses that instead of enjoying pleasure, he would rather suffer with the children of God. He didn't mind being uncomfortable because he knew who he was committed to. And it said, you've got all those people and all those witnesses that you are, are coming about. It said, lay aside every weight, lay aside that sin, and run your race with, with patience and endurance. And the Bible says back there in 1 Corinthians chapter 24, where it says, but one receiveth the prize, so run that you may obtain. It says, if you're going to run a race, run like you're going to be first place. Run like you want to win that prize if you're a Christian. That is someone who is committed. You see someone who is doing that in their Christian life, that is someone who is committed to God and committed to his son, Jesus Christ. Run your race as, you are, are, as if you are committed to your son, Jesus Christ. And if you're running your race properly, if you want to know whether you are committed, then it should feel a little comfortable. It should feel hurt. If you want to know whether you are fully committed to God, where it said back earlier, where, 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 where we studied, where it said take up your cross daily, if you are putting that cross on your shoulders, you should feel the weight of that cross. You should feel it because today people will look at you. If you are carrying your cross and you are fully committed to God, there are going to be people that hate you, that want to despitefully use you and persecute you, talk bad about you, not want to be your friend because you are carrying. You feel that weight. This morning, do you feel that? Do you feel the weight of that cross? You should. It should it, you should feel it. It's not like we're just going through life and everything's easy. It's a race and it's a hard race. But it's a race that is worth it. As Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 and 9, where it says, But what things were gained to me, those I counted for loss, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung or rubbish that I may win Christ. 
Run your race so you can win Christ. Be committed so that you can win Christ. He said, all those other things I count as rubbish. All those things that were gain to me, think about those lists. The worldly people see those lists, and that's gain. If you have all that money, if you have all that time, if you can enjoy all that sin and all that pleasure, that is great gain. And they are nothing if you get to win Jesus Christ. If you are committed to Jesus Christ, he says, I count them all loss. Like Miranda and my children and all those things that I do commit my time to, I do commit my love, those pale in comparison to Jesus Christ. And that's those that are committed to that race. Commit yourself to the race this morning because it's worth it. Your time and your thought and your effort and everything that you have is worth it for the cause and the kingdom of Jesus Christ. That we should be committed daily, hourly, minutely, I don't think that's a word, all the time. Be committed towards Jesus Christ. You know, we, we, we sang the song, and I, and I appreciate Brother Nathan singing that song this morning. It says in 2 Timothy verse 1, the Bible says, but now is made but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and have brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. That verse there is what we've been studying. That's what we've been going through. Jesus Christ is God's authority. Jesus Christ is Lord. The Great Commission, all those things is right here that is manifest in Jesus Christ. And he has abolished death and brought immortality through the gospel to those who are committed to him. Verse 11 says, Whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the, of the Gentiles. That's, that's Paul. And it says there in verse 12, For the which cause I have also suffered these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, or believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. It says, For this cause I have suffered things. It has been more than uncomfortable for the apostle Paul. More than uncomfortable. Why? Because he had committed his all, his everything. And he says, I'm not ashamed of that. I'm not ashamed of those people that might look down on me. I'm not ashamed of those things I've suffered, those shipwrecks and those beatings and all those things. He said, I'm not ashamed of those things because I am persuaded. I believe and I am persuaded. Do we believe and are we persuaded this morning that God and his son Jesus Christ will keep everything that we commit to them? And what has Paul committed? His all, his entire life. All his thought, all his time, all his money, all his resources, whatever Paul could do for the kingdom of God, that's what he has committed. And why? Because he is totally persuaded that he has that immortality, that he has that crown that is laid up for him as a good soldier in Christ. And that's how we should, we should be just like that. That which I have committed, everything, your entire life should be committed to Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, I've highlighted this all in blue. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He is saying this is someone who is completely committed. He says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. So the life that I am living now, I am living for Jesus Christ. The life or the race that I am running, I am running that race for Jesus Christ. I am running that race for the Son of God. Why? Because he gave himself for me. He loved me so much that he became that Lord. That he is our Lord and Savior. He's the one that we should commit our all and our time and our thought to him. And this morning, if you are not crucified with, with Christ, we have opportunity here this morning. We've gone over baptism. We've gone over the gospel. We've gone over those things. We know what we should do. And he says here, if you are not crucified with Christ this morning, we have water behind me. 
We are prepared to assist you. We'd be more than happy to do so that you can start that race of your own, that you could commit yourself to Jesus Christ, the one who has brought immortality through the gospel. This morning, if you are a child of God, but you realize that maybe you're not as committed as you should be, that's fine because I feel the same way, that we should commit more. If you feel that and you need the prayers of the church, if there's anything that we can help you with, if there's anything that we can help you do, we'd be more than happy to pray for you, to help you in any way that gets you on the right path, that gets you on that race so that you can be committed fully and totally to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If there's one of any class we have that you please come sit on the front row and make your wishes known as we stand and we sing.